Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Don't you love the weather? (laughs) I think we're there. We made it. We made it. Hey, uh, before we get into the message, I just want to take a moment to honor those who've given their lives for our liberty on this memorial weekend. Let's see, amen, yeah. Let's think about our blessings as a nation and really the high cost of those blessings. So we do, we say thank you for the freedom we get to enjoy in this country and the opportunities to flourish and for the safety and security of our land. And again, thank you for those who've served risking their lives for our freedom. And I just want to say this, maybe we, may we be more aware of just how blessed we are as a nation, amen? Uh, may we be more grateful for our blessings, more faithful in stewarding them well, and more eager to share them with others. Thank you again for all that you've done to those who have served our serving. We just, we just love you and thank you. Give it up again for our, uh, our veterans. We appreciate you so much. Hey, we're in a series called A Great Awakening. Say, A Great Awakening. Now, this is a roadmap to personal and corporate renewal, revival, and freedom. So today is exactly 50 days after Easter, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. We call this day Pentecost Sunday. Say Pentecost. (laughs) The day when when God brought a new and powerful spiritual experience to to the world. It was the birth of the New Testament church, Pentecost. See, it's not a scary word. It just means 50. But it's a significant 50. And I believe God has been getting us ready for something new and something powerful. I see the beginnings of it, a harvest of souls. Some might call it revival. We might call it a great awakening, a personal experience with the Holy Spirit impacting the people around us, personal transformation leading to public salvation. So today we we commemorate the day God poured out his spirit on a group of hungry followers that changed the world forever. And here it is in Acts 2, 1 through 4. I like this version. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. That's wild. But absolutely wonderful. Because look at the results. Acts 2.41 of this moment. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. 3,000 people. That's impressive. Can you imagine your family, your friends, your community experiencing a powerful moment like that? Well, it's possible because with God, all things are possible. And I know that God loves revival. So what prompted this powerful moment? Well, Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples to stay in spiritual lockdown together. He would have them meet in a specific location called the upper room to pray and seek God. It's pretty simple. Now, they didn't know what they were waiting for. 
Jesus didn't hand him a church bulletin or an outline with specific information on what, when this would happen or how this would go down. He didn't warn them that they would experience wind, fire, and strange languages. He just told them to stay put and stay close. Say, stay close. So they went to an upper room in Jerusalem, and there they waited. Acts 1.14, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. They basically did what Jesus told them to do. What a novel idea. It reminds me of, it reminds me of a, a missionary friend from China. I've said this before. And he goes to China and he starts a church in a, in, in a, in a place that, that hasn't heard the gospel yet. And he, he went there and all of a sudden there's maybe like five or, or ten people and they're so hungry for the word. And, and, he, and he builds them up. He stays like three weeks. He teaches them the Bible and what to do. The basic things of what to do. Love your neighbor. Forgive everyone. Love your neighbor, love God, forgive everyone. So basic things like that. So then he left, and he came back like months later. And when he came back to this church, it was not just five or ten. It was like a hundred or a hundred and fifty. And they were all so super excited about what was happening. And he goes, he goes, what's happening here? How did this happen? They just said this, we just did what you told us to do. Anyway, so they did it. They went to an upper room. They prayed together. They loved on each other. And a few days later, the promised power arrived, and suddenly the heavens opened. And as we just read, every person in that room was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were transformed into spiritual torches. And before the day ended, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Pentecost, a great awakening. And I pray for each of us to experience a personal Pentecost on the inside, in our hearts and souls with a fresh wind and fire that not only changes us, but impacts the people around us. Because I believe many are crying out for a new inner change, a newfound freedom, a life that isn't such a grind, but a life filled with love, joy, peace, and power found in the Holy Spirit. Okay, that leads me to where I want to go today. Here's our staple verse, our roadmap in this series, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Let's read together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. God says, if my people would pray and seek my face. That's where we're at today. If my kids would get close to me, I'll bring a great awakening and I'll bring healing for their family and community. Let me say it this way. If my people will learn intimacy. Uh-oh. Pray and seek my face is a call to intimacy. And a great awakening, listen, requires it. If my people will pray and seek my face. I realize that teaching close is not comfortable for everyone. I get it. All of us have gone through various life encounters that may have caused us to be apprehensive or untrusting with God and people. We might be living a little cautious, I understand, but what we may not realize is this caution, this apprehension with God and others is keeping us from a powerful, life-altering blessing. 
A personal great awakening, listen, requires the element of intimacy. Now, my family grew up with a little more fighting than hugging. So close wasn't natural for me. But I saw God begin to quickly teach me intimacy when I got born again. And then when I met Emily's family, you know, they all lived close. They lived like a mile apart. You know, everybody was over there for Sunday. Dinner was really cool. I didn't. You know, we, we were apart. They were, they were together. And so I'm like, wow, this is, this is different, you know. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a little uncomfortable and awkward. And you know, you know my stories. If you've been here long enough, you've heard the stories of the kissing grandmas, right? The kissing grandmas. I mean, you, you couldn't get away from these cute little grandmas in her family. One strong German one that grabbed me by the, by the somewhere, and I, and I went in to try to kiss her cheek and ended up kissing the back of her neck. And uh, I was just, I'm like, what is going on here? And then cute little, little Evie would just, you know, lock eyes on you and just couldn't wait to kiss you, you know? And I'm like, I tried to avoid all of it. It even got to the point where her grandpa just wasn't thinking straight one day. Christmas, Christmas party. And he, he didn't just, it wasn't just cheek, it was lips right in front of her brother's. I mean, lip to lip. And I'm like, what is happening here? I said, come on, God, I just started getting used to a side hug. You're moving a little too fast, but I needed it. I needed to learn intimacy with God. See, you can talk about God or you can talk with God. You can be with God. And this requires intimacy. There's just no other way around it. That's why, that, that's why that pray and seek my face is right there in the middle of that, that, that road map. It was the key component. Listen, it was the key component to the supernatural outpouring when the church began at Pentecost. 120 hungry followers of Jesus crammed into a small space. They were up close and personal. It was intimate. Obviously, I'm trying to make everyone feel a little uncomfortable this morning, but for a good reason. Because you can't have a personal Pentecost without a pray and seek my face moment. Your personal great awakening is going to come out of your personal upper room. It's just the way it happens. So let's crack open that door to your upper room today. One reason we might keep that door closed is for fear of letting someone see our dark side or hidden side that we talked about a few weeks ago. The side no one sees because it's too messy. But God sees, and it doesn't scare him. As a matter of fact, it gets him joyful and excited when we come into that place with our mess. God loves messy. As a matter of fact, listen, grace only sticks to messy. Think about that. When we try to be perfect, God's like, oh, I guess you got this one, Dan. But when we, we say, Lord, I I'm broken, he's like, oh, good. I'm close to the brokenhearted. I'm close to the brokenhearted. Grace, say grace, only sticks to messy. So open the door to your personal upper room and let God have your hidden side today because, listen, there's valuable stuff there. There's buried treasure there. It might look battered, but it's beautiful to Jesus. So I've heard intimacy defined this way, into me see. Into me see. 
That's what happens in your upper room, an authentic, real, heartfelt moment with Jesus. A secret, quiet time and place that you prepare and set aside to meet with him. A place that you invite him into and ask him to stay for a while. It's not a one-sided talk, but a two-way prayer. Not only talking to him, but listening intently as he talks with you. A place set apart from the hustle and bustle of your busy life. A time of powering down the tech devices in order to power up with God. Where loving him becomes your main priority. Hearing from him becomes your main focus. And knowing him becomes your main desire. And if you don't have a personal upper room, today it might be time to start building one. If my people would pray and seek my face. If my people would get into their personal upper room and get close to me. You know why? Listen. This is a place where all of the good stuff flows from. Listen, this this is the place where all the good stuff flows from. Look at this verse, John 15, 7. But if you live, if, if, if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. Wow. See, when you take time with him in that secret place, your faith will rise and your prayers will be answered. But here's the reality. Whenever Jesus got close to people, one of two things occurred. They drew closer or walked away. Because there's a battle for close. James 4.8 says this, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. It's a shocking statement, but true. The devil is always looking for a way to get between us and God. He wants to block the doorway to our personal upper room. He wants to steal close because he knows when we get close to Jesus, we will know the Father. And when we know the Father, we will know his love. And when we know his love, we'll experience his power. It really was very, very simple in the upper room. Just a bunch of people hanging out, loving each other. And God, you know what God said? He said, I really like that. Like, I like what I'm seeing I like what I'm hearing. Hmm, I think I'm going to give him a gift. And then, boom, the Holy Spirit fell. And it, everything took off after that moment. See, in this place, our prayers change, our motives change, our perspective changes, our heart changes. Everything changes when we get close. Pray and seek my face. Intimacy. Let me compel you to your personal upper room as we're winding this down. A little history first. The first time an upper room is mentioned is during Solomon's day. He inspired that, our, our staple verse. David gave Solomon, his son, the plans for the temple, this amazing, beautiful church. So he starts with this in 1 Chronicles 28. And he goes, Solomon, my son, Learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. 
David says, stay close to God, Sally. Get to know him intimately, son. And then David tells him this after this. He says, verse 10, so be careful because the Lord has chosen you to build the temple of his holy place. Now, remember, we are now the temples of the Holy Spirit, right? We got this temple, this church, that's great, but we're little temples. And in this temple, there's an upper room. There's a place that we're supposed to build. So he says, he says, be strong and do it. Be careful because the Lord has chosen you to build it. Be strong and do it. I think it's there. Verse 11. Gotcha. Then David gave his son, look at Solomon, the plans for the entrance hall in the temple. Check it out. It's storerooms, upper rooms, inner rooms, and the room of the throne of mercy. Oh, my goodness. David made sure he emphasized the importance of these rooms. Storeroom, upper room, inner room, and the room of the throne of mercy where the sins of all the people of God would be covered and erased. How about that room? Woo! We need to get in there every once in a while, huh? That's what David teaches his son. To build rooms of intimacy, you guys. To build personal upper rooms. I love what the Harringtons are doing with their kids. If you ever get a chance to talk to the Harringtons, they, they, they lead the res kids um, and do more. But you ever, you ever get to talk to them? So every Sunday night, I believe, they, they, uh, they get all their family together, and they just put a worship song or two on. It's, it's what we do every Tuesday in our staff meetings. But they translated that into their, into their family. So every night, they just put a, put a worship song on or two, and, and they all get in the presence of God. And the cool thing is, is you'll hear words, not just from them, from their kids. Their children are getting words from the Lord. Matter of fact, I think Ben had a word specifically for our staff. It was so cool. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that word's amazing. So what I'm saying is, is, is they, they went in. They, they created a personal upper room for their family. And now God is blessing them. Do you love that? Now your personal upper room, listen, isn't all the time. <laughs> because you spend time there, but eventually need to go out from there to fulfill your destiny. Those intimate moments are critical to accomplish our purpose and mission. The disciples were given power first, and then they went out and gave the message and the mission. It's so important, this personal, intimate time with God. Now, fast forward, that's the first time an upper room was, was talked about. Now, fast forward to Jesus. He meets with his disciples in an upper room a few days before he goes to the cross to have the Last Supper. He sends his disciples there. Look at this, Luke 22, 9 through 13. So they said to him, uh, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. That's the Holy Spirit, by the way. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit, a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Verse 11, then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he'll show you a large furnished upper room there make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover. And this is where Jesus met his disciples for the Last Supper. 
the upper room. Jesus chose this place because he would share, listen, the most intimate moments with his closest friends. And what was Jesus saying in this upper room moment? What was he saying about this communion moment? He was saying this, let me go to the cross and die for you. Let me show you how much you mean to me. Let me show you how valuable you are to me. He was saying, let me love you in this place. And when you make room for God, when you open the door to your personal upper room, listen, Jesus will love you there. Jesus will love you there. It's true. It is it. The first thing that you're going to hear and the most important thing you'll ever hear in that personal upper room is Jesus loves you in that place. He loves you there. That's the message he gave in that room. He will love you there and beyond. His faithful love endures forever. This last supper with his followers said, I love you and don't forget that. Every time you take communion, you should hear, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. There was a church in Milan, Italy that was bombed during World War II. All of the walls of the church fell down during the war except one. The wall left standing had painted upon it none other than Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper. It's that wonderful picture of this intimate meal and the love that it represents and how it, God's love, will survive through it all. Love survives through it all. And faith, hope, and love, that's, that's the top three. But love is the greatest. Come on. When you open the door to your personal upper room, listen, the first thing Jesus will do is love you there. And here's that truth about love. We cannot love God until we let him love us first. Until we let him love us first. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. It's something each of us wants, but many never find. Genuine love. All around us, we can see an endless pursuit of love. We look for it everywhere in our homes and families, friendships, dating relationships, marriage, and even the rituals of religion. But true love is found in Jesus up close and personal. Don't run away from God's love. Build an upper room. And Jesus will love you there. And when you get to your personal intimate room, he'll not only love you there, but I love this. Jesus will heal you there. Jesus will heal you there. Maybe if we build more upper rooms, we might see more healing in that place. How do I know this? Well, later, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he met with his followers, his friends, once again, in what many believe to be the same upper room. After Jesus died, listen, they all lost hope, and they hid out of fear. They thought the whole thing was a hoax. And look at John 20, 19. The disciples were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And on that eve of the evening of the same, suddenly, or Sunday, they locked themselves in a room. And suddenly, Jesus appeared in the middle of the group and he greeted them. 
Listen, they were afraid, they were hurting, they were lost, and they needed healing, and Jesus knew it, so he meets them suddenly in that upper room to remind them of his love and to bring them some healing. Look around society. People are sick, stressed out in despair, and many at their absolute limit, desperate for answers, and they don't want to hear philosophical arguments, political agendas, or be given another self-help book. The only way this world will truly be impacted is by standing face-to-face with a life that demonstrates the love and power of the Holy Spirit. That's us. We're these little churches with these little rooms, storerooms, upper rooms, inner rooms. Did you know that healing is a promise from God that cannot be broken by him? Healing is a promise from God that cannot be broken by him. See, God doesn't break promises. He breaks chains. I know God can heal, but will he heal? Or is he willing? The biggest biggest question, is he willing? And I say emphatically, yes, Look at this, Luke 5, 12 through 13. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his head face to the ground, begging to be healed, begging to be healed. Let me just say this. You don't have to beg for your inheritance. It's yours. Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. My friends, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is willing. He's willing. We say, well, he loves them, but not me. He heals them, but not me. No, 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 no. He's the same for all of his children. Healing is the children's bread. Now I'm talking about first, the stuff in here, like the stuff that you've been through. Come on. We need to let Jesus inside these upper rooms, right, this inner room to say, Lord, whatever's going on inside there, Lord, I need you to, I need the great physician. He's ready to heal your trauma, your emotions, your mind, your body. Healing is God's heart for you. We don't, listen, we don't need healing in heaven. Come on. You don't. We need healing now, right now. And you're going to find it in your personal upper room. And finally, we see this personal upper room continue in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost. We know what happened. They were filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you get to your personal, intimate upper room, listen, Jesus will fill you there. He'll fill you there. There's so many people running on empty. There's so many trying to fill their tanks with fuel that will not sustain. And if they would only pray and seek his face, they would be filled. Jesus said this, John 4, 13 through 14. Jesus said, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, this just this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Woo! An unending source of love, joy, peace, hope, satisfaction, and power. 
But in order to be filled, we must recognize our emptiness. But in order to be filled, we must recognize our emptiness, our need. I, had a, I got a word from the Lord last week, and this is what I heard. Many are bringing the old self into the new day. Many are bringing the old self into the new day. God says, I want to bring the new you into the new day. The filled you into, I want to fill you with new power, new life, new mercies every single morning. Is there an area of your life where you desire a quick and powerful change, a suddenly? Have you been spinning your wheels in one place for a long time? Are you empty? Well, you are a perfect candidate to be filled. See, the truth is we're all full of something. And you can't fill a cup that's already full. We got to say, empty me Empty myself of anything that does not or cannot satisfy. You don't have to fall for the trap to find the next best thing, the next best way, the next best item to buy. What you really need cannot be found in another person, place, or project. Let me say it again. What you really need cannot be found in another person, place, or project. What we truly desire can only be filled by Jesus, the living water, the Holy Spirit. See, they were all filled in their personal upper room, that private, secluded place from the hustle and bustle of the busy streets below that secret, intimate place with God. See, our greatest and most precious moments with God still come as we simply prepare an upper room for a personal visitation from God. It's in the secret place of the Most High. In that place, in a pray and seek my face place, a place of intimacy, where God says, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things if my people who are called by my name would pray and seek my face, if they would meet me in their intimate upper room, I will love them, I will heal them, and I will fill them with my power. Amen? So I just want to... This is, that's the theme today. You walk away from this place, well, Pastor Dan talked about being intimate. Yay. But it is required for a spiritual awakening. And I don't know, listen, everybody's level of moving into intimacy is different. It's okay. Like some people are better at it than me, right? But all I'm saying is, man, if you just, if you just say, I'm going to walk in that door, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to try this. You know, maybe you grew up in, a, in, a, in an environment where it just completely hindered intimacy. Now, the whole purpose of today is just begin the process. Uh, you know, the Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He's knocking. And all you need to do is just let him in. Just let him in. Let him in. So I want you to bow your heads for a moment. It's taking just, just a moment 
It's just what the Harringtons do Sunday nights, what we do on Tuesdays, what Emily and I do together at times when, when, when we need a, a personal experience with the Holy Spirit. We'll just sit there together, we'll put on some worship, and we'll just get in the presence of God. I do, I do it daily with God. It's, it's, I need it daily. Just put my, one of my favorite worship songs on. I just say, Lord, I just need you, to, I need you to love me in this place. I need you to heal me in this place. God, I need you to fill me right here in this place. Can, will this be your prayer as you bow your heads and close your eyes we just let the Lord minister to you and speak to you we love you Lord fill those rooms first of all just say this say Lord I empty myself of anything and everything that's getting in the way of you I want all of you. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. Fill these rooms, the inner room, the upper room, the store room. Thank you, Jesus.
have to prove anything to you. God, and when we get into that moment, God, what we're going to hear is you love us, you want to heal us, and you want to fill us. So, Lord, I pray today that we would be so compelled to make our own personal upper room, God, starting tonight, starting tomorrow morning, God. And I pray, God, against the enemy tries to keep us from it, God, that we would be so locked in with the Holy Spirit in that moment, God. So I just thank you, Lord. And it's easy. It's light. It's not work. It's just putting on your favorite worship song and saying, Lord, it's time to get real. It's time to get intimate. It's time to get close, Lord, with you. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.